Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Monday, August 07 through 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. On this sizzling day in Riverside, where temperatures are expected to reach a high of 98.0 degrees and dip to an evening low of 68.2, stay tuned in as we delve into some hot stories. We'll be looking at the internal turmoil faced by Republican Party organizations in multiple states, which could potentially impact their fundraising capabilities and overall unity. On a more somber note, we bring you an update from a devastating helicopter collision amidst a firefighting operation in Riverside County, which sadly claimed three lives. Switching gears, we find ourselves contemplating the future as we examine the economic implications of artificial intelligence. Will it be our blessing or our curse? We look back at history for some clues. And finally, we celebrate a momentous Hollywood achievement. Greta Gerwig's Barbie hits a landmark, becoming the first billion-dollar film directed by a woman. All of this and more coming up on today's episode of Alex's News. We begin our morning with our top story. Three Republican state organizations are facing significant divisions and financial struggles, namely Colorado, Michigan, and Minnesota. Joining me this morning to delve deeper into this is Elias, our political correspondent. Elias, can you break down for us what's happening? Absolutely, Connie. We're looking at instances where major Republican parties in these states are encountering significant struggles, primarily due to internal divisions and significant financial issues, this situation has negatively impacted their ability to effectively fundraise and to maintain a cohesive internal structure. It sounds like a crisis, but let's break it down. What's the situation in Colorado? In Colorado, Connie, the problem seems to be stemming from extreme right-wing views held by the party chief. This particular posture has been a turn-off for long-time donors, primarily due to his divisive rhetoric and lack of moderation. The repercussion is a noticeable decline in fundraising. As a matter of fact, things have gotten so bad that they currently can't pay their team members. Such an unfortunate development. And has this affected their political power locally? Absolutely, Connie. The number of lawmakers from the party in Colorado is at an all-time low. The focal point of the infighting seems to be loyalty to former President Donald Trump and his unfounded claims about the election. What about Michigan? I understand their situation is equally dire. You're right, Connie. The Republican Party in Michigan, much like its Colorado counterpart, is also battling divisions and financial issues. Matters have even escalated to physical altercations at GOP gatherings, which without a doubt heightens the visible deep divisions within the party. And who's leading this faction? Michigan Party Chair Christina Caramo, who's noted for being a far-right Trump ally, is at the helm. It's interesting to note that she lost her previous bid for Secretary of State. The party's moral and financial dearth has also been criticized by a former executive director of the Michigan GOP. With all these challenges, is there a silver lining for the Michigan GOP? Some believe there might be, Connie. There are ongoing parallel operations and alternative fundraising efforts. These may be hopeful signs that the state party's struggles may not significantly impact electoral successes. It seems Minnesota isn't faring any better, is it? 
Not in the least, Connie. The Minnesota Republican Party is in financial disarray, with reports stating they have a mere $53 in cash after experiencing election losses. This clearly demonstrates the wider divisions within the Republican Party organizations across various states. And where is the information regarding these situations coming from, Elias? We're sourcing our information from National Public Radio, or NPR Connie. They've extensively covered these deep divisions and financial struggles plaguing Republican Party organizations in these three states. From their reports, it's clear that fierce right-wing views, internal disagreements in strategy, and the weight of loyalty to former President Trump with his electoral claims are core contributing factors. In fact, these divisions and financial issues have made many donors wary of backing a party in such disarray. Quite a situation indeed. That's our top story today. Thank you for breaking down the politics, Elias. It was my pleasure, Connie. We move on to our second story for today, a tragic accident out of Southern California. Three people were killed this past Sunday when two firefighting helicopters collided midair in Riverside County. Grace, can you give us some more details? Sure, Connie. This happened in the midst of a very high-tension situation, as these crews were battling a blaze in the community of Cabazon. One of the helicopters involved was able to land safely, but the second, an Observation Bell helicopter, crashed tragically, resulting in three fatalities. That's really terrible. Grace, who were the victims? The victims have been identified as a Cal Fire Division chief, a captain, and a contracted pilot who was working with the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection. All three are seasoned individuals who had been serving in their respective roles for years. Such a tragic loss for the California Fire Department. Was there any other damage caused by this crash? Indeed there was, Connie. The crash of the helicopter caused an additional fire, but thankfully this was promptly extinguished. According to reports, the incident in itself did not escalate the already ongoing blaze much further. Now, Grace, what do we know about the investigating authorities? Who is probing into this incident? The National Transportation Safety Board, or NTSB, is looking into the incident, Connie. They will be the ones to provide more clarity on what may have led to this fatal accident in the coming days or weeks. Could this accidental collision have implications on firefighting tactics, especially in the context of aerial support? It certainly could, Connie. Incidents like these might provoke a re-evaluation of safety procedures during such firefighting operations, particularly in the use and coordination of multiple aircrafts in one area. It seems like there are even more questions that need answering. Is there anything else that might be relevant? Well, Connie, an interesting fact is that this fatal incident was reported by several different news sources, including the Associated Press, ABC News, Kokomo Tribune, ABC7 Los Angeles, and CBS Los Angeles. This really speaks to the scale and significance of this tragedy within the firefighting community and beyond. Truly a tragedy indeed. Thank you for the in-depth report, Grace. You're welcome, Connie. Welcome back. For our third story today, we dive into the world of artificial intelligence, or AI. Joining us is our specialist correspondent, Ethan, for a deep analysis of the potential economic impact of AI. According to recent articles in Burita Trading View and Reuters, it appears that there is still much debate over whether AI will prove to be an economic blessing or a curse. Ethan, 
Can you provide us with an overview of the situation? Absolutely, Connie. At its core, the argument hinges on the potential for AI to generate vast wealth and improve living standards while simultaneously posing a risk to jobs and fair distribution of benefits. The crux of this debate has significant historical parallels. Past technological advances, such as the spinning jenny or the internet, created new jobs, but often wealth ended up concentrated in few hands rather than being widely distributed. Could you dig a little deeper? What historical examples have these articles provided to illustrate these concerns? Certainly. One example that the Burita Trading View article mentioned is the spinning jenny. While it increased production, it led to longer working hours. Beyond that, mechanical cotton gins helped expand slavery instead of alleviating labor. The historical pattern shows that without proper regulation and balance, the wealth and benefits from technological advancements may bring unforeseen consequences. Some pretty stark historical cases there. Now, looking at the other side, what exactly might be the potential benefits if managed correctly? Well, Connie, there's no denying that AI has the capacity to create an enormous amount of wealth, which could improve overall living standards. Not to mention the countless new job roles it could give birth to. There are, however, critical considerations that must be addressed to strike a balance. For instance, the articles stress the importance of political and regulatory measures, like antitrust policies, workforce retraining, and protecting workers' rights. That's interesting. How does our increasingly globalized economy come into play in this context? It's a key point, Connie. One concern that the Burita Trading View article raises is the risk of a race to the bottom, with countries compromising regulations to attract AI investment. This could lead to high barriers to entry for poorer countries and limit their ability to gain benefits from AI. Stefano Scarpetta from the OECD adds to this, emphasizing that infrastructure and global cooperation are important to fully realize the potential benefits of AI. I see. What about the political aspect of AI that you mentioned earlier? In essence, while innovation drives economic growth, the benefits from AI should be accessible to everyone. This is where the political side comes in. The articles cite the historical example of railways in England during the 19th century, wherein the wide societal benefits were possible due to rapid democratic reforms. Thus, politics will play a significant role in shaping how AI impacts our economy. To wrap up, could you tell us about the common themes in both the Burita Trading View and Reuters articles? Sure, Connie. Both articles emphasize that the economic impact of AI is uncertain and could potentially lead to unequal benefits. They highlight the importance of political and regulatory measures in ensuring that AI benefits are widely distributed. They both point out that without these measures, AI, like previous technological advancements, could exacerbate existing inequalities. Thank you for that comprehensive analysis, Ethan. It will be interesting to see how the story of AI's economic impact unfolds in the coming years. Let's now move on to our final story of the day. For today's final story, we're delving into the world of film and focusing on a truly remarkable achievement. The movie Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig, has recently hit the billion-dollar milestone in global ticket sales, according to NPR and The New York Times. Now, this would be huge regardless, but it takes on a more significant tone as it crowns Gerwig as the only woman with the distinguishing credit of directing a billion-dollar movie. To give us more insight into the implications and details, we have Chloe, our film and entertainment correspondent. Chloe, can you tell us a bit more about the current situation? Of course, Connie. 
This achievement is groundbreaking not only because it's a high mark for Gerwig in her career but also because it challenges norms in the Billion Dollar Club, which are typically male and franchise-dominated. NPR notes that only nine films centered around female protagonists have made it this prestigious club, and with Barbie, Gerwig has shown that female-targeted movies can reach the same level of success. I think it's also worth emphasizing that this milestone signals a more significant shift in the industry, potentially leading to more opportunities and recognition for women. It's interesting to see this trend change. What do you anticipate as the potential implications for future females in the industry? Well, Connie, this could open more doors for women, especially in positions often dominated by men, such as directing. The hope is that we'll see more women receiving nominations for the Best Director Oscar that have, until now, been largely male. Indeed. Aside from being a female-driven film, what other elements are setting Barbie apart? Well, the New York Times points out that, Barbie, has become the fastest movie in Warner Brothers history to reach $1 billion at the box office, accomplishing this in just 17 days. Jeff Goldstein, Warner Brothers president of domestic distribution, has stated that no other film in the studio's 100-year history sold as many tickets as quickly as, Barbie. This isn't just a win for Gerwig or the film, but it's a showcase that movie audiences are diverse and that movies targeted towards women can have just as much appeal. That's great to hear. Now, speaking of fast success, wasn't there a rather bold prediction made at the pitching stage for this movie? Correct. According to The Wrap, Margot Robbie, one of the film's stars, confidently predicted to Warner Brothers during the pitching process that the film could reach the $1 billion mark and the results have confirmed her belief. With this success, we can expect Barbie to potentially become the highest-grossing film of the year. That's quite something. Switching gears a little, can you share more on what makes Gerwig's films, including Barbie, so unique? IndieWire points out a few distinct elements in Gerwig's work, which include a focus on female coming-of-age journeys, an actor-centric approach, the mix of comedy and drama, the use of impactful speeches, and her collaborations with Saoirse Ronan and Timothée Chalamet. This distinct formula, along with the success of Barbie, helps to establish Gerwig as a standout in Hollywood's promising young filmmakers. Absolutely. Well, this achievement by Barbie is no doubt a testament to the collective and individual efforts of all those involved in the movie's production and distribution. Women in Hollywood are breaking barriers, and it's critical that we recognize and celebrate these victories. Chloe, thank you so much for your insight on this story. It was my pleasure, Connie. And here's looking forward to even more milestones for women in film. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, 11 Labs, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.